the network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. This is AV Week. Episode number 60, recorded Friday, September 28th, 2012. The Sweet Spot. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. for AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tim Albright. I am your host. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, with us this week is Mr. Kevin Iselli. He is still the Senior Curriculum Developer for Crestron Electronics. How are you, sir? Good afternoon. How are you? I am well. Uh, Bill Brown, he is the Client Technology Advocate from Ideas for AV. How are you, sir? I am doing great. Thank you. Uh, last but not least, his name is Hi-Fi, the AV professional, but he also has a real full-time job. He is Phil Cordell, the engineering, engineering manager at M3 Technology Group. How are you, sir? Doing great, Tim. Thanks for having me. Excellent. Uh, this week, we're going to talk about a couple different things. First of all, the not really the iPhone 5, but some Apple-ish stuff. Um, HDMI over fiber and how you can sort of kind of field terminate that in a weird way. Uh, Steve Ballmer from uh, from Microfoot Soft has kind of laid down the price, sort of for Slate, is in a weird way, and um, I can hook up my uh, my refrigerator to Crestron. So, but, be, <laughs> but before we hit all that, guys, uh, Sharp announced this week that they are cutting eleven thousand jobs, and not that it's it's a huge um, hit because a lot of these guys are going to be, um, you know, they're they're they're. they're they're a good display company, you know, and they, they make other things as well. So as far as the AV industry, Kevin, is this are these 11,000 jobs going to impact us when it comes to the displays that we get from Sharp? I don't think the displays particularly, but more of the display manufacturing. Okay. Um, there could be a little bit of impact there. We'll see how it goes. Um, there's been, you know, those rumors that, they're looking to discontinue doing display technology. So you're, I didn't say that, but so you're saying that they okay? You're saying that somebody else said that they might be getting out of this altogether. Yeah, I've I've heard that from a couple of different, let's say people. <laughs> let's call them people. People, yes, because we'll that's people that's what now. the cool kids are calling them. All right, so Mr. Brown, if somebody that somebody that somebody know Kevin knows says that. <laughs> Uh, Sharp may be getting out of the the flat panel business altogether. This these eleven thousand jobs may actually make sense. No. Uh, yes and no. It depends on where those eleven thousand jobs uh, thousand jobs are coming from in their organization. I mean, there's um, if there's a lot of research and development people that are going to be leaving leaving that company and and flood our market. That may be a good thing, or they might know something that we don't know, and they should get out of the uh, um, the market uh, here. So it's it all depends on what that real number is, what that percentage of of their uh, workforce is is shutting down or 
cutting off is all about. Phil, uh, this this story, which came, comes from Asia One, also says that they are going to sell off two point seven billion with a B dollars worth of assets and factories. Um, is this does this leave lead credence to the idea that they're just getting out of this altogether? And how is that going to impact you know us both in the commercial and the residential market when it comes to flat panels? I think it could have a pretty a pretty large impact. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. They're the only only ones I know of making consumer panels that large. You know, I mean that you can pick up at Sam's Club certainly. Um, not that we do, but you know, it's it's kind of crazy to think of <laughs> not that I would do uh, that. But no, not that not that I do that as a professional. But but uh, you know, it's it's just funny because we know how tight margins can be on displays because of the internet and stuff, and it's it's really interesting to see. To see all that, you know, possibly having some effect on the manufacturers themselves. Like, this technology is some of the, you know, the basic driving force of what we do. You know, these these displays, these endpoints, and it's uh, it's crazy when you see somebody who you think is kind of kind of leading the way right now, struggling like this. I mean, eleven thousand jobs—that's a lot of people. Well, and, and Kevin, could this also have something to do with the the. Uh lawsuit that they lost in California where they and, and a m- bunch of other uh, flat panel manufacturers were were convicted of, of colluding and, and driving up the cost of, of flat panels could that have be a backlash of, of from from that settlement I, I personally don't know how that settlement came about I mean when you can go to your average diner and get a bowl of soup in a flat panel I don't know why they were <laughs> driving up the price um, that's now I mean years ago they were well, that's with anything. I mean, that would be like having a lawsuit in five years at the price that they were talking LG and Samsung were leasing OLED at, that they're marking up the price. It's a new technology. I mean, with anything, that will come down over time. I just think that somebody got a little bit into a bind and, and, and decided to make manufacturers pay, so to speak. Well, and hey, Bill, let me ask you this: Is this it, Phil mentioned the fact that that margins on these displays, from an integrator standpoint, are slim to begin with? Are we now seeing the margins from the manufacturers' standpoint? They're trimming down, and they're becoming less and less. So all of a sudden, you know, Sharp is being the smart guy on the block, saying, "You know what? Let's cut our losses where we when we can and move on to something a little more profitable." Well, yeah, yeah. it's it's absolutely could be that simple i mean it takes money to keep the doors open and if you've cut your your profitability down so low that you know you're you're struggling to keep by uh, or i'm sorry struggling to get by and you still have all those mouths to feed now you have to look at another way to make money right i um and i i agree with that and the the other thing that i was i was thinking about from the i guess the end user side of it um you know sharp is that familiar name, you know, to go into uh, a Sam's Club or, or something where a lot of of nonprofits or house of worship markets will f- go that route instead of going more professional, which we try to talk them into not doing that. But, you know, sometimes I show up and look what we got and how can we integrate it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and it is it is one of those things that when you eliminate a big player, now you'll have these no-name brands that I think will affect our industry, that if they'll still be out there, and instead of being a sharp, they'll get uh, 
you know, you pick the name and you you walk in and try to uh, put that together in a in a system and in, in an organization, which will make it you know even harder for us. So I I think Sharp is gambling, but out of the necessity of being profitable, you know, with the the lawsuit and, and other factors in the um, uh, in the industry, but I I, th- I think this is a gamble, and we'll like I like I said before, I think you'll see where they make these cuts, where you know with the manufacturer or where the R and D, how what their next move is going to be, and how that actually is going to affect us. Yeah, that's that's a good point. Uh, about a week ago, actually, we, we taped these on Friday, so a week ago from today, you could pick up the brand new iPhone five. And part of the whole iPhone 5, iOS 6 release, somewhere in the middle of there, uh, Mr. Tim Cook made an announcement about the Lightning Connector. Um, if you're familiar with Apple products, they do have something called the Thunderbolt, so I'm seeing some sort of, of you know, you know, connectivity here going on. Uh, but according to Engadget, one of the things that about the Lightning Connector is the fact that nobody's really sure how all of this, how it works, honestly, and because not nobody's really sure um, how all the authentication takes place and everything, that means that the only cables you're going to get are from Apple, at least as of right now. Uh, Phil, is this a big deal? I mean, the fact that they've come up with a new connector and, and the only people that can make one is are, are, in, are in Silicon Valley? Yeah, I mean, it's it's really smart business sense, right? You know, who should be taking notes on this? Sharp. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's very nice. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, I mean, you know, obviously Apple is notorious for not playing well with other stuff a lot of times. Um, but, but you know, that's their MO. And obviously, you don't get to be the most valuable company in history by uh, by letting any knockoff company make all your stuff at half the price, you know. And, and that definitely was the case. I mean, you could go into Walgreens and get a dot connector for you know, a third of the price that I'd get at the Apple store, I'm sure they see a lot of lost profit there. Kevin, is this, I mean, this, Phil makes a good point. It's good business sense. Um, and not that Apple cares about the AV industry or, or they care about any industry for that matter. Um, they're, they're a good company and they're a good business company. He's right. That's the most profitable co- company in the, in the world right now. Um, but is this something that we need to be considered, you know, concern ourselves with, as AV guys trying to hook up these things to our displays. Absolutely. Uh, in fact, we're as a as a manufacturer, let's say we're we're having a heck of a time right now because, as you know, we make a number of docks mm-hmm. uh, and connectivity for the product, and uh, we are not going to be allowed to uh, deal with that product directly with Apple. We will have to uh, get it through their only approved. And unfortunately, right now, there isn't any approved. So, you know, of course, people are buying the, let's say the people are buying the iPhone 5, and they got an iDoc V, and they want to connect it to their Crestron system, and we really have to just tell them right now, sorry. So it doesn't make us look good either, right? Because, of course, as you know, Tim, if it isn't working, there's something wrong with your Cestron system. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, that's it's never the product you're trying to connect. It's always Cestron, right? Uh, so, yeah, this is causing a little bit of uh, a little bit of rocks uh, in, in the road, if you will. Uh, not only for, let's say, the end user trying to get the 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 converter or the, as I like to say, they have an adapter for that. 
Um, but they, it's even, and they it's make even the cutest adapters, and they make the cutest adapters, at least according to the Samsung commercial. Yeah, but it's funny because you reduce the material by sixty five percent, and it still costs the same forty dollars that I paid for the other one. <laughs> okay. I don't. You, you, but you bring up a good question, and, and it, you can not answer this, or you're, if you're not you know privy to these. As a manufacturer, you're dealing with a really popular product and, and something you guys have made an awful lot of um, connectors, not connectors, not, not an awful lot of connectors for, but you have a number of audio products that do connect to iPods and iPhones and stuff like that. Is there not some sort of mechanism in place where Apple recognizes the value of that and says, here, manufacturer A or B or C, let me hold your hand and walk you through this, and, and, and there's a process here that, that we're all going to kind of go through. I'm not going to answer that. Okay. <laughs> that's fine. That's, that's fine. Uh, Bill, is this... The, the short answer is, could there be? Yes. I didn't say could there be. I said, is there? <laughs> and again, you're not going to answer it. So That's correct. Uh, Bill, is this a huge deal for us in the AV industry? I mean, Kevin makes a good point. Not only the, the Crestron... Um, connectivity devices but others as well where we're trying to get iPhones let's say or or iPods into our AV systems into our you know our stereo systems and suddenly with the new iPhone 5 uh, we can't do that uh, at least not as seamlessly as we could two weeks ago uh, absolutely I think and you probably are, are dealing with this at um, the the bring your own device yes. um, headaches, you know that um, AV departments and, and IT departments all over um, the industry, you know, are dealing with. And so, do you, you know, do you want to say, okay, no Apple, or we're going to go all Apple, and what is that? What is that going to, to do for your your organization? And and I think. It's kind of by design. I don't want to call anyone a cult, but it's cultish. Um, and you really have this mentality that you know it's my way or the highway, and we're all going to jump jump off the uh, um, the bridge together. Um, and it's just it's not it's not good for a converging um, industry that for a number of reasons that that co collaboration needs to happen um, and the people at Apple, you know, will make it very difficult to happen for a number of different reasons. Bill, you made you made mention of the whole bring your own devices and if you're, you're, if you're any sort of technology manager, uh, you've, you've dealt with that over the last yep. few years. We were talking on, we have an education-based show uh, called EdTech. And one of the gentlemen that's on there is from George Mason University. His name's Matt Silverman. And he mentioned the fact that I think he said he spends somewhere in the neighborhood of 100 to $200 a year just buying adapters, you know, just, you know, just to make sure that regardless of what that bring your own device is, that BYOD, he's ready for all of that. Um, Kevin's going to scream at me because, you know, there's the only good thing about the standard is that there's so many of them. Um, but isn't it, can't we get, to, can't we all get along? Isn't there a way we can say, you know what, guys, here is the digital connection and here's the, the, the analog video connection. I mean, we, we kind of, you know, eventually got around to the 15 pin, you know, the, the DB15 as a standard. Is that, can we agree on that? 
So can't we like agree on a digital one? There is. Okay. Well, if you look at um, industry wide, yeah, one hundred percent of the industry has adopted HDMI. Now, HDMI does have a number of form factors. There's you know the micro, the mini. There's even HDMI dual link, or you could call it a Type B. Uh, but HDMI is the digital standard connection for uh, all consumer. Uh, it's even in the auto industry. So if you were to say, is there a standard? Yeah, that's the closest one you have. Okay, so are we just saying that Apple's saying, I don't like standards and I'm going to make my own? No. Well, if if you're going down that road, what Apple has chosen is they're, of course, you know, some time back, Intel and, and the folks developed, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, something called Lightpeak. And Lightpeak was the new type of digital connector for the pro- professionals where what they did was they took DisplayPort multi-mode and they um, kind of slapped a couple of PCI Express interface around it, right? So that just kind of took the beginnings of DisplayPort and, and kind of furthered it along. Uh, DisplayPort really didn't, though it was license-free, it didn't really get adopted tremendously in the industry, though it was a, it's a great connection, a great transport. Um, the whole idea of doing uh, Thunderbolt now, which is the renamed Light Peak, if you will, just became more uh, appealing to some folks, of course, right? Apple being one of the first on the market. Now you can actually see there's some uh, HPs and some of the other uh, laptops that you can even pick up at Best Buy that have a Thunderbolt connector on it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it is, let's say, the new emerging digital standard for PC. Because there's more to it than just a video bus, but as far as video or digital video goes, yeah, it's it's HDMI. Okay, I'll, I'll buy that. I'll buy that. Um, we'll move really on. Selling, but okay. <laughs> I, it's it, I, I didn't mean it to sound like that, but it, it, it you make a good point. It is HDMI, but it's also I think it's just Apple being Apple sometimes, and I don't mean that to to be a negative thing. It's just sometimes they simply want to do things their own way. Um, with you know, you you introduce something called Thunderbolt without any peripherals, so you know. Well, again, this is not Apple being Apple uh, as as opposed to like Apple did not create the standard; they didn't no, create no. the interface. But they also didn't put you know the the connector on the bottom of a of a iPhone five is not Thunderbolt, nor is it you know um, an, an HDMI or a, a DisplayPort. It's their own little concoction, which I guess yeah. is, that's. Where I'm going with that. Yeah, that planned, ob- hmm? planned obsolescence, right? I mean, that's why All they're right. so. You know, they yeah. roll out they roll out new features that have probably been in R and D for years, and they you know stagger them so that each new device seems like it's the coolest, newest breakthrough. And you know, they're they're good at staggering those rollouts to make it seem like, you know, they've got it all going on. So. What kind of revenue are they making on the adapters? Let's do that number. Oh, good lord! Yeah. I would hate to. That would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Um. All right, let, let's stick with Apple for one more second. Um, Bowers and Wilkins launched a new Apple AirPlay speaker, and and the story really isn't about the speaker. It, it's a cool speaker. It, it you know it's shiny and it looks like it's got brushed metal and stuff like that. Uh, but the question is, is it kind of like this, and it ties into the the last story we talked about. Uh, AirPlay is cool, and I and I don't know if you're familiar with AirPlay. AirPlay basically is uh, if on your iPhone or on your iPad or certain um, the latest version of the of the Mac OS system. Uh, you can send, uh, quote-unquote, wirelessly um, to a AirPlay device 
audio and video, right? Um, this Bowers and, and Wilkins has a, a, the ability to wirelessly receive the audio and then obviously transmit it uh, through the speakers. Um, Apple has, you know, the, I, the, the Apple TV, which is a little hockey puck that will take your, uh, your video from your iPad or your, or, or your iPod and transmit it to your, or, or, you know, show it up on your, on your, uh, on your display. Um, my question is this guys, is the airplay and Phil, we'll start with you has airplay or is airplay becoming the wireless HD standard? I don't think it will ever be the standard. I think there's there's definitely a good segment of the population that is going to adopt it. You know, I've had a I've had Mac products for a long time. They've helped me with uh, music and artsy stuff, all that stuff. I mean, they've done a great job. Apple has of of really getting it integrated into all aspects of your life. So I think people who aren't on the integration side and see this technology, it probably seems pretty mind blowing. You know, and all I have to do is pick up an Apple TV for an extra ninety nine bucks, and it's gonna work with my other stuff but uh but i just it, it would be a tough sell for me to to ever see airplay becoming an actual standard you know i think i think they're going to do well with it for for their demographic but uh but you know it's tough man it's it's <laughs> it's a tough sell and, and that speaker is super cool and i tried to go pick one up but my iphone led me into a lake so i was, <laughs> was not able to pick that one up if you didn't get that joke it's a joke about the the new apps other the new maps on on iOS 6, which are um, interesting. That's a good way to put it. Um, Mr. Iselli is... <laughs> I know the answer to this already from you. Uh, is no. The, is the, <laughs> let me get it out. Is the AirPlay uh, becoming the wireless video standard? Well, okay. Well, I can give you the long answer or the short answer. The short answer is no. The long answer is no. Um, yeah, it's... Why? <laughs> Where, where digital video is go- okay here let me give you one let me ask answer your question with a question okay um, what kind of bandwidth do you think we're using here and oh since you wanted to a couple of weeks ago you wanted 4k um, yeah no it's not going to be uh, well I can't say it's not going to be but what I can say is it will definitely spark more of the interest to get something or to to, to let's say put something more solidified in place. So you're saying that they're not going to be the standard, but they're going to be the catalyst for a standard. Sure. Yeah, I, th- I think more people are going to – because there's already people out there that are doing this, yeah. right? Uh, we, we met some of them at Cedia, and, and uh, it's, uh, it's, a, it's definitely a trying organization uh, because you, you are talking about, you know, bits are bits are bits. And if I take, you know, HD video, uh, let's just throw out 1080p60, right? Um, I need – let's say uncompressed, I need 4.45 gigabits of throughput for that. And right now, our wireless topology doesn't support that, right? Which means, how are you doing it? Of course, with bells and whistles and smoke and mirrors and and compression, Uh, which is why right now AirPlay works fantastic if you're doing audio. Mm -hmm. Because that's K, right? You're not using a ton of data there. It works okay for video, because again, you're also not talking HD either, right? You're talking lower resolutions, the 720s, maybe, maybe, right? Uh, and a lot of that is is uh, if you're doing some videos connectivity through AirPlay, aren't you actually getting it through your i uh, your Apple TV, <clears throat> which is also connected to your account, and is actually streaming directly from that device and not through the air? 
Yeah, and that's in, in whether it's YouTube or you're or you're talking about you know showing you know cars from you know technically from your uh, your iPad that you you sling it eh, slings the wrong word because there's sling box and then we'll get sued. Mm-hmm. Uh, you send it to your your uh, your Apple TV, and then yeah, they're they're just kind of grabbing it from the same server that you would have grabbed it from um, on your on your iPad. So yeah, I, I I see that. I'm just. You know, it, it seems very seamless and it seems very, you know, back to Bill's point, you either say bring your own device or we're all going or going all Apple. Um, if a, a campus or, or a organization does go all Apple, I, I, I can see it where it might become its standard. So, I don't know. It's a good point. Uh, Bill, to, to Kevin's point, do you think that this will be the catalyst for us to somebody, I'm not smart enough to do this, but for somebody to develop their own standard for wireless HD? Or is it just not possible right now? I, I think yes, it it is because there is a mentality of you know anybody you know but Apple, and they you know because I run into to people that will say, yeah, I know Apple has this and it will probably be good for what I'm trying to do, but I'm just not gonna go there, um, and so. If it's a large enough segment, I believe, that someone else was, will fill that void, will kind of have to fill that void or want to just to prove that there is a, a better solution or uh, just, you know, as uh, good of a solution, you know, to what, what Apple is doing or is trying to do. Yeah, when we were over at Cedia, actually, one of the cool products we saw this year was the uh, DVDO Air, which is like a 60 gigahertz, you know, uncompressed wireless HD system. And that was actually pretty impressive to, to see that working there on the show floor in the midst of all the other wireless, potential wireless interference. But because it's up there on that 60 gigahertz channel, it actually looked really sharp. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. I'm I'm hopeful at least let's let's put it that way. I'm 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 hopeful. There are an awful awfully lot of an awful lot of smart people out there. So, all right, you're listening to AV Week with Kevin Eisteli, Bill Brown, and Phil Cordell. Uh, this week, this actually comes to us from uh, our buddy Kevin's uh, employer, Mr. Cre- or Mr. Crestron. Uh, Crestron is adding Sub Zero and Wolf Appliance to the integrated partner program. And again, Crestron is adding Sub Zero, which is a refrigerator manufacturer, and Wolf, uh, who I believe they make um, stoves and ovens and stuff. I, Kevin, talk to me first of all about the integrated partner program, what it does, and, and why people should care that these two um, companies have joined it. Well, what the integrated partner program offers us is uh, direct communication for um, other manufacturers. To be, let's say, in our um, camp, if you will, and I don't mean that as it's a, an exclusive group. It means that now we give them our <clears throat> SDKs and some of our other, you know, platforms, and they actually develop uh, through their own engineering and their own software guys. They'll develop drivers and communication products that talk directly to us. So it's like, let's say, they make the modules now, which is nice because now they're involved. They can pass us as much data as they. You know, are willing to do so, and uh, we get much more ease of integration now. When you take that stove or that refrigerator and you connect it directly to the Crestron system, you drop in the module, and now you can tell when your you know your um, macaroni and cheese is done, or if you want <laughs> milk, or how much ice you have, or if you need a new water filter. 
see the, the, the macaroni and cheese is, is funny, but the rest of it's kind of cool. I mean, I, I honestly didn't know that you could talk to a stove via 232. So um, that, that was interesting on me. Uh, Bill, me too. Is, yeah, well, I was going to say, is this, and, and okay, so this goes back to, we had Kevin on a month or so ago. Um, talking about whole house and, and home building management, and let's not mince words here. Crestron is in is in a couple different markets. One of those is residential, and not to be again silly, but there's certain products in residential that up until this point, um, talking to them was I'm not going to say impossible uh, because there was probably some out there that you could, but difficult. Let's say. Uh, so, Bill, is this a, a big deal for for residential? Where you know, the macaroni and cheese aside, uh, you know, seeing where, where where your 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 stove is or where your um, refrigerator is, and being able to turn stuff off and turn stuff on, is is this a big deal? I I think it is. I or if if it isn't, it it could be, and and I think Christian is not to compare them with with apple <laughs> but it is no because you know, apple actually uses crestron <laughs> but <laughs> anyway. but it's it's basically how can we how can we play nice you, you know when you have that how can we play nice okay this is what's going on this is how you know this is what we do we can work with what you're doing and we'll give you um ways to connect to us and so it can have that integration have that um that mentality to help people say, okay, we can do this. The technology is available to do this, and Crestron is helping do that. And so we're we have this, you know, one touch technology, and and you know, you know, we we touch everything to to do things, and we get alerts for almost everything. So why wouldn't my stove talk to me or why wouldn't my refrigerator remind me of something? Mm-hmm. So it's like we're getting to, to that point. And so it could be the next, the next thing. Okay. Yeah, basically, Tim, it's kind of like in the world of pretty much anything is possible, all we're, basing, all we're basically doing is providing the mechanism for that to happen. Right. Well, and, right. and, and like to, to Bill's point, and in, in, in where he was going was comparing them to Apple, saying Apple's, you know, saying we don't want to talk to anybody, and Crestron is saying I'll talk to anybody, <laughs> you know, well, here, <laughs> here, let me help you talk to me, type of thing. Yeah, um, I mean, even Apple, we have an app, right? So now, imagine if you are being delayed, you know, getting home, uh, you can literally through the Apple app talk to your Crestron system, system, which is talking to your Wolf oven that says. You know, kick it down to two hundred and keep it warm because I'm going to be a little late. Yeah, right. So now it's again, it's making those possibilities possible. Yeah, I think it's pretty cool. I mean, it, it's something that we all saw coming. Like I knew that this is the future, but now that it's actually, you know, it's been trickling in for a while. I mean, it's pretty exciting. I don't, you know, I personally would be afraid of burning my house down. That's just me. <laughs> <laughs> but, but. This type of comprehensive control, really, I mean, to me, that's what the future kind of looks like, right? Is it like it's all tied together? I mean, okay, let, let me let me be okay. So I I have a Nest, right? And being able to to a Nest is a is a programmable fancy schmancy thermostat, you know? Yeah. So I can talk to it on the way home and say, hey, you know what? Do, do this or that and the other during the summer when it was so freaking hot. It was very nice because you you could you could have it 85, 90 degrees in the house during the day and on your way home start cooling it down. 
maybe it's just me, but being able to preheat your oven on oven on the way home is kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why it just is. So now the Nest, interestingly enough, it is not integrated with uh, with Crestron. Is that correct? What I think I think it, they used to be I think they used to be able to be supported by everybody and they just and I think an Apple developer was one of the leads on the Nest project right and they just cut off third party control. Kevin, so there, there you go. Hey, I'm not with Nest. I can't answer. That. <laughs> All right, I can't speak to that. Like I said, we'll talk to anybody who wants to talk back. I got you. Well, yeah, there there has to be a some way because Nest is a has IP can you know it's. Yeah, I'll work it out later. Yeah. Any, anything is possible. Anything is possible. Indeed it is. All right. Uh, let's talk about health care. And not because I'm sick, I'm healthy as a horse and as big as an ox. Um, that's a bad old joke. Um, this is from Commercial Integrator. Um, Phil, basically what they're writing is that, and the, it's a quirky little thing from Tom LeBlanc, seven reasons why the health care market is healthy. Let's break it all down here, though. Um it, Politics aside, you know, universal health care, whatever, is the healthcare industry profitable and is it moving in the right direction or is it moving in the opposite direction uh, that some people do fear it, it, it's not going in the right direction? I would say all indicators that we're getting here in Nashville, home of uh, some very large healthcare conglomerates, HCA, uh, Vanderbilt University, obviously they've got a huge hospital. Mm-hmm. It's it's great for business, man. And I think, you know, wherever the money's coming from that's being injected into the system is is good for us, you know, from a, from a jobs perspective. Uh, because whether it be digital signage, uh, video conferencing, conference rooms, I mean, we're doing a, a ton of healthcare work down here. And it's uh, it's a great thing to be a part of. So I, I definitely loved all the bullet points that, that Tom <laughs> yeah. mentioned, you know, all the various things that are influencing the, the rise. But I can say for sure there's been a very noticeable rise down here. Bill, uh, Infocom calls healthcare, the healthcare industry market uh, the fastest growing customer seg- uh, segment of, of 2012. Um, is that do you, do you think that's accurate? And if so, you know, why? I agree. And I, I think because of, you know, digital records and smartphone technology and and apps and and everything and i think how we basically take responsibility for our healthcare and kind of interact with our our doctors or our our medical professionals i th- i think that is changing and i think our industry you know it av uh industry can really forward that and benefit from that if we, you know, um, if we are willing to move with it instead of saying, okay, um, we haven't done it like this before, you know, so we're not going to go go that way, but we're saying, okay, what do you need? And this is how we can help you achieve that goal. So I, I think it is exactly prime for those organizations that want to not just find the money or just see this as an opportunity to get into this business, but really partner and really be able to change how we technologically um, deal with the healthcare industry. Kevin, you guys have an interesting perspective being in uh, from the, from the manufacturer's side. Um, Is this something where you guys see, see your, products being put into more 
or is this something where it's just kind of steady and you don't you, you guys don't see much fluctuation when it comes to health care? Uh, I would say we've definitely seen a rise in healthcare uh, in installation only because of, of well, because of digital media. Uh, but it, it is definitely an organization that's now growing. Um, so, yeah, to the AV industry, this is definitely a good thing. Um, healthcare has always had uh, the need and is, in a lot of cases, has been facilitating the need. It's just now, uh, let's say, well, I'm not, I don't want to use the term booming, but it's just now growing at a, at a pretty quick rate. People are more willing to actually put in those systems and use, you know, media as a, as a teaching tool as well as delivery. Okay. Very good. Uh, this comes to us from CE Pro. Uh, one of the things that came out of, of, of Cedia this year um, was an interesting device. And I, I say interesting because it's, I don't know, it, it from, you know, Crestron's DM to... Um, everybody else's uh, twisted pair and, and, and fiber you know, versions of how to get you know HDMI and HD content different places. Uh, a company called Celerity um, has come up with something called a fiber optic cable with detachable HDMI connectors. And as a technology manager, I saw this and I'm like, holy cow, I can field terminate <laughs> HDMI. <laughs> well, seriously, that was my first initial reaction. And then I look at the price and I'm like, oh, never mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> Phil, we'll talk to you. You, you were there at, at CD this year. Um, MSRP for this sucker, a thousand foot run. Is eighteen hundred bucks? Um, yep, saw that. Yeah, a hundred foot run though was five hundred. That's still a bit out of my price range. Is this thing gonna? Is this gonna make it? Is it a viable product, or is it just yeah, it's cool because it's fiber and it's HDMI? I think it's absolutely a viable product, just not at that price point. You okay. know, and give it give it time. I mean, this is pretty you know groundbreaking in terms of of uh, of if it you know that's the real question, right? Does it work? I mean, if it works, then uh, then I'm all in because it's it's pretty cool. It'd definitely be easy to pull that cable, uh, you know, to where you need to get it. But but you know, I think it's pretty obvious that at that price point, it, it, nobody's gonna just jump right in. I know we wouldn't, you know, from a from a business side, you can't just switch over to something that expensive because how do you justify that cost to your end user who per- perhaps hasn't had any issues with Balins or you know twisted pair uh, solutions, you know. Oh, you just pass along the price, <laughs> Mr. Yes. Integrator. Uh, yes. Uh, Bill, is this is this you know is this a, a decent product here that we're talking about, or, or like Bill says, give it time, let the price come down, and then yeah, it's a viable product. I, I think it's it's definitely a viable product, and I was I was shocked as I was scrolling down reading this to see the price. It's like oh my gosh, <laughs> you know, it's like you know, so it's. It's, you know, it falls under what I like to say, you know, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, and, and I think they could have, you know, came to, I don't know, the development, you know, R&D of, um, you know, the cost that they put into it. But that's a little high. And, you know, even though, like you said, integrators can include that price into the system um, and um, and the you know the end user will you know never know the wiser, but um, it's it is it is just at that price point. It's really until it's field tested. I don't think there's going to be a lot of lot of bites for a while. But I, I think it's is is definitely viable. 
Kevin, this thing will transmit 1080p 3D 4K signals. I don't think they missed a buzzword there. Uh, <laughs> is this something that that is you know price you know not price aside but including the price and everything? Is this something that we should be going going out and getting? Well, you're you're asking me this. I'm asking you this. <laughs> well, I'm going to say no because I okay. have an HD TX one and RX one that comes in at less than that, and I can actually integrate control into it. So you're you're asking me, do I want to pay eighteen hundred dollars for a cable, or do I actually want to buy some devices that do more than just that for less money? It has CEC, I'm sure. <laughs> let's Thanks, go. Phil. Let's, That's what I was <laughs> Let's talk about that for a second. I mean, somebody, uh, who was it? Uh, oh, it was, it was a rep from a manufacturer that I won't name right now. Um, yeah, never mind. It, it, I wish people would stop talking about CEC until they can all agree on on something. I don't know. What? Well, it works. It, no, it doesn't. It does for us. Okay. So explain to me then this. CEC is a, a group of, of standard protocols that... Eh. Go ahead. It's optional. That's the thing. It's optional. So it doesn't work. No, it, it does work. <laughs> when they it do it. No, almost every manufacturer has adopted using CEC. Okay. Uh, whether or not they use the command set that was in the CEC appendix or not is, let's say, out there. <laughs> uh, but that doesn't mean that just like with anything else, there isn't, you know, we, we have modules, we have drivers. Uh, so if you want to use Sharp or Sony or whoever, um, chances are we can communicate and we can communicate CEC. All right. Now, CEC- that, that's important to understand, though, because we are the only ones that do that, you realize. Oh, I, okay, so let, let's talk. Here, here's the thing. I, I understand that, and it's a module, and I get that. It's just, it's just you know, protocol just like 232 is a protocol, and, and you, you have to talk to it certain ways. But I guess that's my, my sticking point with this. Is the fact that CEC was supposed to this be this whole nice ubiquitous utopia where we all agreed on power or we all agreed on you know stop or play or whatever, and you could hook up everything and use the one remote and it didn't turn out that way. You guys are utilizing it. That's great for for control, but the fact is that that, that other people aren't able to do that and the the whole you know again. The whole let's all get a, get along and hold hands and, and agree on, on power off just never happened. Well, again, it didn't happen because of other manufacturers. Because, oh, yeah, because I'm not, I'm not blaming you. I'm just saying I, I, the issue I have with CEC in general is that whole this never happened. And so you guys are using utilizing it for other means, but that's great. You know, it's just the, the whole, you know, let's all get along thing just never materialized. Well, of course, you're talking about other manufacturers. I'm a big fan of everybody getting along. Come on. <laughs> oh, I am, too. I mean, that that's what makes things fantastic is the fact that, you know, within a system, I can put the parts and pieces that I want to use. And with and even when using, you know, digital media, you know, we have the ability to transmit and receive those CEC commands. So we can talk to those devices through CEC. That's what was the exclusive part is. Yeah. You know, nobody else does that. Um, now, again, whether it's a Sony talking to, you know, uh, let's say an LG player or not, will those commands be compatible? Probably not. 
Um, or maybe there's some compatibility. There's a lot of gray area. Um, with, you know, talking with the guys at HDMI, the, the concept of HDMI 1.4 was to make more of a mandatory standard, right? Where play stop, or let's say your transports and all that were all the same commands. So you wouldn't have to relearn and you would have, you know, direct connectivity between, uh, let's say, an LG and a Sony or a Samsung and a Sharp or, you know, that these things could talk. Um, yeah, that's always been a challenge, right? And yeah. we're going to see some, we're going to see some other cool stuff happening. I mean, you guys know obviously about the the new, the, you know, the Buzz HD based T technology, right? And um, it's it's been fascinating uh, to say the least because they also have a control, let's call it a control channel uh, in their transport. Right. And um, oddly enough, uh, you know. There's a controls company that's going to be kind of running the <laughs> control standard for that. Who would no that names, be, Mr. Iselli? <laughs> I, I wouldn't know. Okay, me either. <laughs> Phil, were you going to say something about CEC? Man, I was just going to say, when it works, it's awesome. You know, we've uh, the, the few integrations I've had where we actually relied on it. Uh, I know Cisco, you know, Tanberg cameras, um, the Precision HD cams, I think, are you know, I mean, we're not pulling a control cable in addition anymore. You just pull your HDMI over and, you know, power it locally, and it it uh, controls just the way it's supposed to. You know, it's pretty neat. You know, Sharp's got it, but they call it Aquos Link. Maybe that's yeah, the problem. Some of those Maybe are that's the problem. Yeah. yeah. Some of those are different. Everybody's got their own. Like, even right. the Hamburg, you have to be careful because, like, some of the cameras, like Cisco and, and, and Tamberg and Polycom, they're actually not using CEC. They're using the the data bus, the DDC, for that kind of communication because it has to be high speed. Uh, it can't be the thirty bits per second that oh, CEC is. See, and that's never mind. Learning wow. something every day must be living right. You do, you do, you do. All right, let's talk about Microsoft for a second and beat up on them for for a minute. Um, this comes to us from the Verge. Steve Ballmer started talking about the Surface, and if you don't know what the Surface is, Surface is is. Microsoft's attempt to do a a, um, a tablet again, um, and he starts talking about prices. And this is a quote. Um, he says that Microsoft, quote unquote, has a very competitive product from the features perspective, and that probably three hundred to about seven hundred or eight hundred dollars is the sweet spot for pricing. Um, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> is that a sweet spot to go up against uh, directly um, against Apple when it comes to price and features and everything? Or do you think that Microsoft should set its sights a little lower when it comes to the price point? I think uh, that's a big sweet spot there. But uh, <laughs> Well, yeah, yeah, $300 uh, to $800, <laughs> that's a big sweet spot, yeah. I think we're talking but, cavities. Right. <laughs> But uh, yeah, I think they should go a little lower. I mean, it's and it's and it's not. I, I think they have the the technology. It's you know it's there. But what what is the difference? You know, Microsoft has a brand, has a way of doing things that we all love. Um, but it's just this kind of you know you know we're just as good as they are. You know, type of mentality you know you know months later and expect us to be excited and um just jump on board with it i i think that is um 
I, I, I don't know what they're what they're thinking. They're they're. It seems like they're just kind of throwing something out there and seeing if it sticks to the surface. I guess, right? You know. Very nice. Um, and I think so. You know, but um, <laughs> and and it's just I I I I think they they need to rethink that or the um, end users will um, help them rethink that. Uh, Bill, is this something like like Bill says that they're they're just kind of saying we're as good as Apple, therefore we should be as expensive as Apple? I don't know, man. I mean that that is a right when you ask if that's the sweet spot. It's like, oh yeah, that's it. They found it. Good for them. I mean, it's you know, it's it's just kind of seems. I don't know. I, it seems like they see how well a company like Apple is doing, and so it it almost hurts when you see a company like Microsoft kind of shift gear, almost blatantly shift gears, you know, and kind of copying somebody's business plan. Not to say they won't be successful with it if they if they do turn, as Balmer said, to a devices and services company. You know, I'm I'm sure that they would love to see those new avenues of revenue, you know, open up for them. But will are are we open to that? I mean, I guess if the products absolutely rock, then sure. You know, I mean, if it's a if it's an awesome product, then it's going to get its fair share in the market, and we'll just see how it goes. But I kind of miss the old Surface. Uh, I'm probably the only one, but I got to play with a few of those. You guys probably did too. The big, massive, Miss Pac-Man, you know, oh, yeah. size things, right? So the fact that they're just taking that name and giving it to a tablet, like everybody else's tablet, they had something nobody else had, and uh, here they are rebranding it. So I don't know. Well, no, talk about that for a second. The, the the original service was a touch, basically a table. Table, yeah. Right, yeah. You know, that you you could sit you could sit down and eat your you know at, at dinner or have breakfast and and you set uh, I think they set you know cameras down and automatically downloaded the pictures and this that and the other. Phil might be right. You know it, they may have just said yeah forget that <laughs> nobody was interested or or the the price wasn't right or something. Uh, but you know it's it's something where you're right. They just kind of you know folded those tents and said okay let's take that same word and. And move it over to this tablet because it's you know it's also touchscreen, so I can see that. My experience with that though was that uh, having been used to some Apple products, that the the GUI on those was kind of choppy and it wasn't quite, you know, I mean it was cool that it was so big, but it kind of felt like oh okay, so this was cool. This would have been cool like five years ago, yeah. you know, and it and it does still kind of hold a little nostalgic place in my heart. Um, <laughs> but you could probably so we'll find see. find one on eBay somewhere. You know. Probably so. They're still not cheap, though, dude. Those things <laughs> yeah. are still pricey. Uh, Kevin, is this has has Mr. Balmer hit hit on it? Where this is the, it's a wide sweet spot, but it's a sweet spot where you know Surface can go after go after the iPad. I'm kind of with you. I, it's one of those they, you know, we're as good as, as Apple. We should be as expensive as Apple. I don't know. I, I let's just say if I had to put out all the money that I paid for my iPad out of my pocket i wouldn't have an ipad that's for sure um it, it, i mean they're they're great devices don't get me wrong but um that that's that is a pretty big span i mean again what is it going to do first yeah yeah right. what, what's it going to do what, what are the features mr Ballmer? <laughs> yeah i mean in fact when we talked about the ipad the new ipad coming back a, a few episodes ago it was you know at that price point it's still you're entering uh laptop pricing but it still isn't a laptop. You're not even entering. You're there. I mean, we. I was. Yeah. Uh, I think I, I said this on the air. Um, my wife was 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 due for a, a laptop. Hers is about four or five years old, and so her and I had this discussion over the course of the summer. I mean, the the the. I think it was a Samsung I was looking at. 
uh, laptop, and it was it was an Intel processor and you know Windows eight and all this other jazz. It was about five hundred fifty six hundred dollars. Well, that's about the cost of a of an iPad. Uh, and so you go, okay, what's what exactly do you need to do in this that, and this? And you have that conversation. And I think that the more and more people that do have that conversation about what you really need a laptop for anymore, whether it's the Surface or whether it's the iPad or you know, the the, the uh, was it the Galaxy from from Samsung, um, you know, there are going to be more and more people go to a tablet based um, uh, device for most of their stuff, you know, email and, and things of that nature. So. All right. Finally, I'll tell you what. Though, as far as the the comment is, it the sweet spot? It'd be sweet to get some of that profit that they're going to make off well, of that thing. That's for sure. That. Unless they, you know, fold these tents too and go someplace else. <laughs> All right. Last but not least, from Commercial Integrator Magazine, an actual official magazine, has written up our buddy Hi Fi. Yay! <laughs> You're official, dude. You're like official. Uh, <laughs> from Craig McCormick. Yeah, I do too. Uh, from Craig McCormick, uh, he's talking about your new CD. So talk to us a little bit. First of all, just be- people know, if, if you go to the website, theavprofessional.com, not only are you going to get some pretty sweet tracks and, and raps about the AV industry, you also have a library, dude, of of how-tos, almost you know, a library of um, of teaching you know, videos on teach showing people how to do different things. Um, so go ahead and, and talk about the track and then also a little bit about the website. Yeah, man. You know, I've got, I definitely, so I've got what I believe to be the only and thus best musical project completely dedicated to our beloved AV industry. Uh, you know, I cover tunes, uh, or my tunes rather cover subject matter such as racks and telepresence, digital signage, a lot of the stuff that we know and love. And, uh, you know, I've had the opportunity to do some really cool joint musical ventures in the past with Crestron, for instance, and with CD and with some some uh, pretty cool folks in our industry. Uh, the website itself, uh, you can pick up the record there. You can also stream the record on Spotify if you're on if you're on Spotify. Oh, very cool. Or you, yeah, you can grab it on iTunes. Um, and then on my website, I've got uh, a great web show called the AV Workshop, and There's some kind of how-to stuff, but primarily there's a lot of, you know, kind of just me and the camera having a what's on Hi-Fi's mind moment, for instance, where I talk about, uh, you know, the joke that we've all heard a thousand times, which is you you carry a TV into an office building and and at least 10 people are like, hey, just put that in my office, or you missed my (laughs) truck out back, or, you know, you're at the wrong house or something like, you know, I just just, uh, talk about things that we can all relate to and we've all kind of kind of heard as members of the av industry so i don't get it i've never heard that joke you've never heard that (laughs) sure you have of course you have i haven't heard it today because i've been in my office there we go i haven't heard it today pretty much the only way to avoid it actually is by quarantining yourself away from any large format displays (laughs) otherwise you will hear it all right well yeah so so go to the website theavprofessional.com you can pick up the ep and um also, uh, check out the other we- the, the other videos. He's got a very cool one uh, centered around Cedia, uh, which was just about you know, not even a month ago now. So, yeah, very cool. Thanks, right. man. Absolutely, dude. I, I, it's a really cool stuff. And and uh, I think the first time you and I talked was about a, a year ago, and um, 
it was just it's some some really neat stuff and the fact that it's um centered around the AV industry just makes it even more unique and, and, and even more special. So um all right guys, I think that's the last story that I have. Uh thank you so much for joining us. Uh Kevin Iselli, the senior curriculum developer for Crestron Electronics has been with us. Thank you, sir. Oh, thank you. Uh would you like to give anybody, you know, I don't know, contact information, next of Ken? No. Twitter. Just leave me alone. <laughs> no, just, just leave me alone. alone. <laughs> just leave him alone. No, hey, have you noticed I've even tweeted a bit lately? I, I did, yeah. <laughs> so I think right now the best tweets are coming from Sarcastic Rover. That is the best. I don't know. A couple of days the 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 a couple of days ago it was the 25th anniversary of uh, the Princess Bride. So that was you know there was a oh, couple. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah all about that. By the way, if you if you tweet any any line from that movie, uh, Indigo Montoya will tweet back to you. Nice. What? Yeah, wow. there's there's a it's a bot, but I I tweeted uh, inconceivable. Um, it, it's a line from the movie. If you don't if you're not familiar with the movie, yes. And he tweeted back. Uh, you keep using that word. I do not think you, you it means what you think it means. Yes. Yeah, it was pretty cool. So, All right. Um, if you're in a DM class here re, here in the next couple of weeks or months, give Kevin a hard time. Uh, Mr. Bill Brown, he is the client technology advocate for Ideas for AV. Thank you so much, sir. Thank you. It's been uh, a pleasure. Tell people how they can find you and also your book. Uh, they can find me on Twitter at, at uh, Ideas for AV. And um, by email at um, billb at ideasforav.com. My book, it's on Amazon. At, um, I understand technology, but I don't speak geek. Um, and it's pretty much a, an understanding of basically my methodology and, and how I try to help people um, relate to technology and utilize technology in their organization. And so... Thank you very much for that opportunity. Absolutely. Uh, and last but certainly not least, uh, the AV professional, also known uh, Monday through Friday as Phil Cordell. He is the engineering manager for M3 Technology Group in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you, sir. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me on Twitter, the underscore AV underscore pro, and the website, theavprofessional.com. Yay! Uh, my name is Tim Albright. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, you can reach me uh, on Twitter, I guess, at TD Tim David Albright, A L B R I G H T, but more importantly for me and everybody here at AV Nation, please go by the website. It's new. <laughs> Our buddy Matt Scott has spent countless hours slaving over it and and just working his fingers to the bone. Uh, it, it's actually pretty cool. He's done a really good job with it. So check it out, please. AVNation.tv. AVNation.tv. You can find blogs. You can find the, uh, our, our other podcasts that we do and all sorts of other information. So AVNation.tv. Thanks so much for joining us. That's all the time we have for AV Week. <laughs>